You're listening to the Life Church Livonia podcast, a show where you can hear the teachings from our weekend gatherings. You can catch the full service on our Facebook or YouTube and head over to our website if you'd like to give. Here we're real people following a real God and experiencing real life. Welcome to Life Church Livonia. Good morning, Life Church Livonia. Welcome. For those of you who are new, my name is Kate and I'm one of the pastors here. And we are so excited to be with you today to bring you week two of our Relationship Goals series. Last week, Alex did a great job talking about marriage and singleness and the beautiful gift that is found in both of them. And today, I get the privilege of talking to you about friendship. And so I wanna jump into sharing a little bit about my journey, kind of. Uh, So I accepted Jesus in 2008, and I lived a life of singleness since I accepted Jesus, and before that, obviously, because what I mean by singleness is just that I have never been married. I have been unmarried for all of my life. And so living into singleness has given me an opportunity to really understand and grow into friendship. And what does that mean? I mean, I've dated over the course of my um, relationship with the Lord, but nothing super serious until recently. Really madly in love currently. But anyway, that's not the point. Um, So over the past 13 years, I have really grown I had um, a ton of friendships and I grew in those friendships. I got to join a couple of different families on vacation and I got to go um, to their holidays and really experience what it means to have a healthy and healed perspective on family. I got to understand intimacy from a different way. I have had these amazingly deep and meaningful community experiences and friendships. I was in a place of discovering how to love others really well and also how to love myself well, how to figure out what it is that I want and need in context of a relationship. There's been this deep sense of meaning and connection to my role in ministry and developing healthy boundaries and understanding how God has wired me. Um, It's given me good wisdom on how to serve well and faithfully, um, and also how to give, give of my resources excuse me, give of my resources and give of my time and how to have healthy boundaries within those areas. In my singleness, I was able to live into what Alex described last week of sharing the love of God with a vast number of people. I have been able to love people in a a way that I never would have been able to do if I was married. Today, I want to focus specifically on one relationship that has been so, so important to me. It is my ride or die. It is my person, Amy Neal. I love Amy Neal. It has been 10 years in the making of this beautiful and amazing friendship. We smashed like 20 scoops of ice cream there. It was, uh, it was a miracle, actually. It was very awesome. Anyway, recently, Amy Neal paid for me to fly down to Tennessee to um, help care for her after a major surgery that she had. Um, and it was, pretty, it was a pretty intense surgery, and Amy Neal is not somebody who sits or uh, d- likes to be served. She's more of a servant. She likes to do things for other people. She's very giving and compassionate. And so while I was there, I kept yelling at her, like, sit down, that is enough. You shouldn't be lifting that. I mean, this lady, she's not supposed to be lifting anything more than five pounds. So eventually we pulled out the scale so that we would just like weigh things. Uh, But it turns out she said to me, you're kind of like an aggressive helper. And I was like, yeah, baby, you knew that when you flew me down here, this isn't news to anybody, actually. So anyway, 
I love Amy Neal. It has been a beautiful and amazing friendship. And I don't know about you guys, but a good friendship, it is such a gift to have. I don't know if you guys have a person or have friends um, that you've experienced this type of relationship where you just like, you know exactly what they're thinking and they don't even have to say anything. A good friendship, it is such a gift to have, but it is really challenging to actually make that kind of friend. And I was gonna do this object lesson here where I was gonna ask people to comment in the comment section and like shout out to the person who you have as a friend, but when I ran that by Alex, he was like, that could probably go south pretty quickly. And I was like, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> so instead, what I decided to do was a Facebook poll. So I posted on Facebook because it is the ultimate place to gather all of our intel about humans, I think. Uh, not really, that's a joke. <clears throat> But it's a good place to do a little bit of intel gathering. And some of the responses that I got from people about what's your favorite thing about your best friend? Some of the things that I got in response were acceptance and unconditional love. And they later came back to say forgiveness. Um, loyalty, they're there for me no matter what, they have my back. They'll tell me the truth, they know my flaws, and they love me the same. No walls up honesty without shame, and I know they will give me truthful feedback in return. We are so different. When I need someone to bicker with about the things that don't really matter, I know exactly who to call. No matter how crazy my idea is, she's at least willing to hear it. These are really great examples, and I am so grateful for your responses, everybody. Um, but today, I would like to talk about what I see in Scripture, about what God shows us is actually godly friendship. I don't know that as I was growing up, I was really taught exactly about godly friendship. And I don't really think that as a culture that we really know or understand how to be a godly friend to the people in our lives. Maybe we don't even understand the reason behind having a friend. And the Facebook poll, that showed me what people's relationship goals were in regards to friendship. Um, but what we want to do today is look and see what God says the goals to our friendship uh, could be and should be. What does it mean to be a godly friend? <clears throat> I don't think that I'm alone here when I say that friendships are difficult. I don't think that we as a society really emphasize what godly friendship looks like and how to do it. I think that oftentimes we have fear about opening up and connecting with people. We're afraid of getting hurt or having abandonment or rejection, being used maybe. I think that sometimes our unhealed wounds uh, can lead us to really put up walls. Uh, we don't really know how to conduct ourselves in friendship. Maybe we didn't ever learn in our family of origin how to build intimate relationships. And so we don't know how to have boundaries or, or what to share, or what not to share. Sometimes it's just like life stage, right? It's like a single mom or a single dad or a new parent who doesn't have any idea how to have uh, uh, relationships that come around or you work a lot or in school you're overwhelmed with um, homework. Sometimes I think as adults, the life stage or the, being teenagers, making new friends can be really challenging. I think like as little kids, they can walk around and be like, hey, yo, I got a pool. You want to be my friend? And they're like, yeah, I do, because I like swimming in the pool. And then boom, they got a new best friend. But like as an adult, if I walked out and went to like the grocery store, I was like, hey guys, I have a pool, you wanna be my friend? 
They'd be like, you're weird. Please don't invite me over to swim in a pool. I don't even know who you are. I mean, for the most part, I think people like Emily Engler might be like, yeah, bro, I'm, I'm down to come. Let's go. Let's go swimming. Sweet. <laughs> but overall, I think that our fear and our unhealed wounds and the life stages that we're in can really cause some hurdles. It is, there's so many reasons to avoid building friendships and relationships. They are exhausting. They are time consuming. They cost us. And a major problem that I see in association with not having biblical, meaningful friendships is that we are missing out. We are missing out on a deep and beautifully intimate relationship that God has created for us. When we don't have meaningful, safe, healthy friendships, we miss out on intimacy, we miss out on support and comfort, we miss out on healing and transformation. Whether you are married or whether you are single, friendships are so necessary in our lives. Now, I could do a whole sermon series, we as a church could do a whole sermon series on friendship alone. And today, I'm not going to focus on some of the problems that come up in relationships because sometimes people, we can get enmeshed in families or a friendship or we can be codependent and caretaking. And I have a lot to say about that as a recovering codependent person. Uh, but today, that's not this message, okay? If you have comments, thoughts, questions, concerns, I'd love to offline that and talk to you about it. Shoot, shoot us a message on Facebook, fill out the digital bulletin, let us know. We'd love to chat with you. But today, the sermon is simply about friendships, okay? I want to focus on what godly friendship is and how to do that as followers of Christ. I want to look at four specific friendships and see what scripture gives us as examples of godly friendships. We're going to talk about Ruth and Naomi. We're going to talk about Mary and Elizabeth. We're going to talk about Barnabas and Paul. We're going to talk about Jesus and Judas. And today we're going to start with Ruth and Naomi and what we can learn about friendship. Let me pray really quick as we jump into God's word. Dear Lord, I pray that you would open up our hearts and minds, that you would help soften us that you give us ears to hear and eyes to see the things that you want to teach us about intimacy and friendship today. Thank you, Lord, for your son, Jesus, and it's in his precious name that we pray. Amen. All right, in Ruth 1, verses 11 through 19, we see here that Naomi, she says, well, first of all, I just want to let you know, Naomi, her um, husband and two sons just died, and so she's talking to her two daughter-in-laws, <clears throat> and it says, but Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband, even if I thought there was still hope for me. Even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. And at this, they wept aloud again. Then Orpha kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where I go, where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. And your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them, and the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? What do we see and learn from Naomi and Ruth's friendship? We see 
that friendship, it's a chosen family. This is gonna be our working definition for the day. So when I talk about friendship, I am talking about it being a chosen family. And these are examples, the people who I'm gonna talk about today, they're all examples of people who are friends, who choose each other as family. And we see this in Jesus as he moves the disciples from servants to friends through his sacrifice on the cross. And he tells them, in John 15, he says, you are my friends if you do what I tell you. I do not call you servants that I own anymore. A servant does not know what his owner is doing. I call you friends because I have told you everything I heard from my father. Jesus even goes so far as to say that the greatest of loves is the love of a sacrificial friend. He says in John 15, 13, that greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. Unlike marriage, there's no vow in friendship. There's no mandatory commitment. In, in friendship, there's this continual choosing and choosing and choosing when you could just simply walk away if you want to. And where I see the work of God in my relationship with Amy is that she picks me. I get emotional thinking about the fact that over the past 10 years, a lot of things have come up and she continues to lean in and say, I'm not going anywhere. I love you and I pick you and we can work through this. We have had conflict and disagreement and yet she continues to choose me. That's so powerful to be a part of a chosen family. Now that we see the definition and the understanding of godly friendship, what is it that godly friendships actually do? So we have so many examples from scripture that I just had to simply cut out and say like, oh my gosh, there is so many. I just picked the four and we're gonna zero in and focus on those, but I tell you what right now, if you read through scripture, if you read through your Bible, you, and I encourage you obviously to pick up your Bible on your own, in your own time and read scripture. It is so beautiful and full of really practical things that can help change the way that you experience this world. I'm gonna go back to Ruth and Naomi, okay? And we're gonna see that Ruth doesn't need to choose Naomi, and yet she does. And so what we see in that is that a godly friendship is sacrificial. One of the things that we see in Naomi and Ruth's relationship is that she sacrifices her safety and her security. In the culture and context, um, it's important to recognize that a widow really was not a desirable uh, wife. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't like she could just go anywhere and find a new husband. And so she was sacrificing going from a people group that were her people who knew her, she had family, she had a potential for a future. She sacrificed all of this security to stay with Naomi when there's a lot of uncertainty. She sacrifices her security and her comfort to serve and support Naomi, to love her and care for her and meet her needs. They both give each other something that the other needs and doesn't have. Ruth is able to um, give this labor and support to get food and care for Naomi's physical needs. And Naomi gives Ruth this social network that leads to Ruth's marriage to Boaz. It's this beautiful gift that they have with one another. It is sacrificial. They sacrifice for one another. The second friendship that I want to look at today is Mary and Elizabeth. In Luke 1, verses 39 through 45, and this is right after the angel visits Mary to tell her she's miraculously pregnant with Jesus, it says, At that time Mary got ready, 
and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who believes that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. After the interaction with the angel, Mary packs up, okay, right away and sets out on this journey that's estimated to be about an 80-mile journey, right? Sacrificial. It's going to take her a week or two. She's newly found out she's pregnant, and she just, like, packs up, and she goes. And I am so curious, because Scripture doesn't tell us, but I am so curious about what her motivation is to rush over to her cousin Elizabeth. Why does she do that? I'm so, like, does she just want to celebrate about her pregnancy? Does she just want to know um, about Elizabeth's pregnancy? Is it both? Does she, is she looking forward to doing both of those things? Is she just maybe like skeptical? Like, is Elizabeth actually pregnant? Because like maybe if Elizabeth is actually pregnant, this means that I am actually also pregnant. Like I just, but that could just also be me because I'm a really skeptical person. But anyway, um, <laughs> regardless of the speculations I have, we can see in the scripture that a godly friendship celebrates together. Mary celebrates with Elizabeth by rushing to her. And Elizabeth celebrates with Mary. She says to her, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. We can see that. We can see them celebrating and rejoicing together. That is so cool. And it is so important to reflect on celebrating with our brothers and our sisters, rejoicing with them when good things happen and being present and available to do that. The third friendship I want to look at today is Barnabas and Paul. And this one's a little bit more challenging. Friends tell each other when they think that they're wrong. And sometimes they agree to disagree, barring sin. Sometimes they do their own thing. They go their own way. Here in Acts 15, we see Barnabas wanted to take John, called Mark, along with them also. But Paul kept in <laughs> insisting that they should not take him along, who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there occurred such a sharp disagreement, I love this so much, that they separated from one another. And Barnabas took Mark with him and they sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, committed by the brethren to the grace of the Lord. And what I love about that is that so often we have so much pressure surrounding our friendships and disagreements and, and figuring things out. And what we see here in scripture is that it happens. These are real people doing real life. These are accounts that we can look at and say, how do we do this well and in a healthy way? And we see they're separated for a couple of years. And then after those years, Paul comes back and he says, I was too harsh with John Mark. He admits that he's wrong. He says, what he says in 2 Timothy 4, it says, only Luke is with me. Pick up Mark, bring him with you, for he's useful to me in service. I mean, <laughs> I just think that is so powerful. Paul says, he's useful to me. Bring him. Come on. I was wrong. He is actually a valuable servant. Their friendship, it didn't disintegrate, but their time walking together did. They both had valid points. Barnabas was willing to give John Mark a second chance, and Paul was not because what they were doing was really dangerous. Alex talked about this two weeks ago. Go back, listen to the message. 
the thing that I noticed with, was that Paul had experienced a second chance from the Lord. Paul was out there uh, crucifying Christians and he was saved. And Barnabas is actually the one who advocated for him in his transformation. When, when Paul showed up, everybody was really skeptical of him. And Barnabas was like, no, man, he really has had a meaningful experience with the Lord and we need to give him a second chance. So here we see Barnabas consistent in his character, actually, of giving second chances. Uh, he gave gave uh, John Mark a second chance when he fell short and he didn't respond well. Um, but Paul comes back after a time and he says, hey, you know what? I was actually wrong. I was too harsh. John Mark is an asset to the work of God. Bring him with you. So what we see in this here, we see that a godly friendship loves enough to confront. We see that a godly friend doesn't try to control one another. They have honest conversations. They don't abruptly walk away from each other. They have open communication about, hey, this is what I think and this is what and this is what you think and we don't necessarily have to agree. And and they don't feel like they have to be something that they're not. A godly friend is willing to admit when they're wrong. And this is something that has taken me a super long time to figure out. And I still fall short pretty regularly. But when people used to confront me, I used to be super guarded and super defensive. I would fight back, I would uh, argue with them about how right I was, or I was a doormat and I just agreed with whatever they said. It depended on the relationship. And I didn't stand up for myself and I didn't say anything, I just said, you're right. So now what I try to do is say like, hey, thanks so much for the feedback. I'm gonna pray about that, I'm gonna think about that, and then circle back and admit where I was wrong, or just have intentional conversation. I think that, it is so important to recognize the confrontation and people who've been in relationship with me or small group with me know I love a good confrontation because it leads to transformation. It leads to that iron sharpening iron and God being able to shape us into who he's called us to be. If we just hightail it and we, and we run away from conflict or confrontation, we're not able to grow and learn. And the beautiful gift of friendship is that confrontation, it really leads to transformation. The fourth and final relationship that I want to talk about today is the one between, between Jesus and Judas. Jesus lost friends. He lost a ton of people. A lot of people walked away from him, but specifically Judas turned his back on Jesus. And we see this in Matthew 26. It says, immediately Judas went to Jesus and said, hail rabbi, and kissed him. And Jesus said to him, friend, do what you have come for. Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and they seized him. In that moment of Judas's betrayal, Jesus still calls him friend. Judas was not faithful to his relationship with Jesus. He was not a good friend. And even when Judas hurt and betrays him, Jesus still forgives him. Even though Jesus is the perfect son of God, and this is such an encouragement, which means that Jesus was perfect and I am not. Even Jesus, who was sinless, lost friends. This emphasizes the truth that it takes two people in a friendship to make it work. A godly friendship is forgiving. And even in that place of forgiveness, it is important to recognize there are two different things at work here. Reconciliation and forgiveness are not the same thing. 
Forgiveness is something we are commanded to do. It is important not only uh, for our health emotionally and physically, but spiritually. God calls us into a place of forgiveness. And when we are able to forgive meaningfully, truthfully, honestly, in friendship, it can lead to true transformation. So if you are sitting here today and you have lost friends and you have a ton of shame about that, I would just encourage you to pay attention to what the Lord is teaching you inside of that loss. What is he challenging you to transform and to grow? What is he encouraging you to own? It's important to walk into repentance and walk into healing and recognize how you fall short as a person because you're not Jesus, you're not perfect. But it is also important to release yourself from the bonds of expecting, expecting yourself to be perfect. Own where you fall short, apologize, and seek reconciliation when is available and possible for you. But it's not always available and possible. It is okay if a friendship ends. So where are you at today? As we think about what godly friendship looks like, the challenge that I have for you is what is God working in your heart right now? What does he want you to be growing in? Which of the things that I spoke about today is God challenging you to be? Godly friendship is sacrificial. Do you just feel like you don't have the time or the energy or the money? Is it really scary for you to think about what people might require from you? Maybe uh, celebrating with people is really hard. Maybe you have jealousy. Uh, your, your friend gets a raise and you just got fired from your job and it's hard to celebrate. What is God challenging you? to celebrate with your friends today. A godly friendship loves enough to confront. Confrontation matters. How you confront is really important. It has to come from a place of curiosity and care and love, noticing the way that people treat themselves and others. Do their actions line up with their values? Have you asked anyone to speak truth into your life? This is a really important thing to consider. And a godly friendship is forgiving. When you're offended or wrong, how do you respond towards people? Or when someone brings a wrong to you, do you apologize well? Where is God challenging you to focus today and this week? I just want to encourage you guys that in my relationship with Amy Neal, she moved to Tennessee about four years ago, and it has taken a ton of energy and time and resources to maintain that relationship. But here's the truth about my relationship with Amy. I have learned how to apologize. I have learned how to forgive. I've healed in my ability to disagree and stick around emotionally and physically to that relationship. I've learned how to show up with what's going on inside of me and how to be willing to hear things that are actually quite uncomfortable. God has done a miracle in my internal and my external world because of friendship. And my prayer for you guys today is that you consider how to allow God to shape your thinking about what a biblical friend is and how you can really embody that in this community. Regardless of what earthly friendships or earthly relationships you have, the ultimate friendship that we need is with our Savior, Jesus Christ. So I just want to encourage you guys today, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus today, if you've never began or initiated a relationship with the Lord, I just want to invite you guys into a place where you can accept that Jesus loves you and he calls you his friend. Pray with me right now. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for your sacrifice. 
I thank you so much that you died on a cross for us who are unworthy and, and, and undeserving of your love and your grace and your mercy. And it's through accepting that sacrifice, Lord, that we get to have transformation here on earth and for all of eternity with you in heaven. And I pray today, Lord, that we might receive that sacrifice and be changed and live fully into being the godly friend that you have called us to be. We love you, Lord, and it is in your son's name that we pray. Amen.